Oh, good morning. That's a bit sad, isn't it, really? Uh, it's the first day of the week we should be uh, looking forward to this morning. So let's do that again. Good morning. It's good to see you all. And uh, it's nice to have you with us this, evening, this morning. And uh, it's nice to have the place well filled as well this morning. And I hope you feel safe as you've entered and that you'll enjoy your time and that you'll feel God's blessing as you join us. Uh, we want to say hi to Mervyn Scott, who's here this morning. Hi, Mervyn. Nice to have you with us uh, today. It's great to have you here. And uh, Mervyn's uh, here for the send-off of Andrew Livingstone. We're going to send Andrew Livingstone to France uh, during the service. Not during the service. The plane isn't outside. We're not there quite yet, as Connie, but we will be sending him off. And he's going in a few days back to France, but we'll tell you more about that in a minute or two. So welcome. If you're new here, if you're visiting, then you are more than welcome. We pray that you'll feel part of the family here in the Connie. Um, Just a few housekeeping things. If you are here for the first time, um, you uh, need to know these things as we keep each other safe. Uh, Thank you for wearing your masks. That's really important to us as we continue to keep everybody safe. We want to continue to comply to all the rules that we have set in place. We don't want to be on this downward uh, sort of hill towards uh, losing the compliance because uh, if we do that, we might not be able to be here in the church in the future. So let's continue to keep this standard high as we look after one another and as we meet here week by week and as we continue to try and put more ministries back into place as the weeks go on. So please look after each other, love one another by uh, doing all that we've asked you to do as you come into the church building. If you're in the first half of the hall, first half of the church, use the toilets here if you need to, and really only in an emergency if you can. So make sure you follow the one-way system. If you're at the back of the hall, back of the church, use the toilets at the back there as well. That's how we will do that. If you have kids, they're more than welcome to stay in the whole service. If you feel like you need to leave, just for a few moments, use the, the room just outside the hall. Four adults can go in there with your kids. If you need to get a bit of a break, you can do that. But we love having the kids in the service. And as I've said before, their noise doesn't annoy anybody. Uh, and so please don't feel awkward, just feel relaxed and at home here in the Connie if you have kids. Um, this week, can I just say, if you are taking communion, hopefully you, you took one of these cups coming in. If you haven't got one of those, um, well, you'll know next week, hopefully, to take one coming in. But hopefully everyone who is going to take communion this week, um, if you are taking communion and you are a Christian, you love the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as a personal saviour and you want to celebrate communion with us, then you would have taken one of these coming in. Can I just give you a bit of uh, advice with this? Uh, There are two, (laughs) sounds daft, I have to tell you this, but this is what it is. There are two little flaps. So when you undo this later on, don't take the big section off because the bread will still be stuck in the top. So take the top bit off first and then the other bit after that. Otherwise there'd be spillages and all sorts of different things. So just do that when we do that. And please, um, can I just say, we're going to lead straight into communion after... Or at the end of the sermon, uh, we're going to listen to a song and then we're going to go straight into communion. So there won't be any opportunity for anyone to leave, but there'll only be a few minutes as we just gather together and we uh, eat and drink and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together in that way. So your kids can stay, you can stay, um, and please don't feel awkward if you're not taking communion. We love you have, having you here for that as well, and uh, even if you're just watching on. So we're going to lead straight into that at the end of the sermon. Uh, this week, in the midweek, um, we'd love to have you, 8 o'clock, Wednesday night. Uh, next week um, is myself in the morning as we continue our series. And in the evening, we have uh, the Shankill Community Fellowship coming up. David and Pamela will be here, and they're going to share with us all that the Lord's doing up there in Belfast. So we'd love for you to come out next Sunday evening 
and to uh, listen to all that is going on up in uh, Belfast, up in the Shankle Road. And uh, those are great. They're great guys, David and Pamela. And so David's going to share with us, and then he's going to share from God's Word. So please come out and support uh, our Baptist Missions workers as well as they come up next week. Okay, I think that's all of the announcements at the moment. Actually, there's one, there's one announcement I do want to make, and this is for you boys and girls. We're going to start a <clears throat> kids' ministry called KBC Kids, and it's going to happen on Friday evenings from October. It's going to be the first and third Friday, and it's going to be on Friday nights at 7 o'clock in the church. And so the teams are working hard to put all the new program in place for you. That's for all primary school kids, and that's going to be called KBC Kids, and that's going to start in October, and we're going to have all the regulations in place to keep your kids safe. Parents, if you feel that, that you maybe are anxious about that, please don't be. And we are going to have that in place. And our 659 and Sunday school teams are working together to put that program in place for you from October. So look forward to that, KBC Kids, on the first Friday of October. That's all I want to say this morning as far as announcements, but I want to seal our hearts and I want to pray together. So let's do that now as we begin to worship. And so let's come into God's presence this morning in prayer. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are thrilled again that we can meet like this, that we can meet here together to worship your holy name. Thank you that we can come in and we can join together as a body of believers in worship. Lord, we know things are a little bit different today, Lord, but we desire that we would meet together like this. Lord, this is something that you have ordained that we do, and we are so thankful that over the last eight weeks we've been able to do it in this way. But Lord, we do pray for the situation that is around us and going on. There's so much unrest and uncertainty in the future. But Lord, we thank you that you are a God who we can trust and rely on, that you are sovereign and know all things. You know all that's gone and you know all that is to come. And so we rest in you this morning. And we come in and we give you thanks even for your blessings and mercies on our life over the last few days, even the last week since we've last met like this. So this morning we want to come in and we want to praise your holy name. We want to give you praise and honor. And we pray that our hearts and our minds will be ready for that. That we would have pure thoughts and hearts and minds. That we would come in and our praise would be worthy before you. This morning we know that even in the last few days, maybe even already today, we have sinned against you. And so we come in and we want to ask that you would forgive us again of our sin. You cleanse us this morning. That we would come in with this purity that you desire in our life. So Lord, we pray that we would, you would help us in this. That you would take away our sin. Thank you that you gave your son. And that his death on the cross, it made a way for us to have a relationship with you. It made a way that we were able to experience sins forgiven. And this morning we give you thanks for that. And so we continue in worship now as we listen to this next piece of music. And as we do that, we pray that our hearts would be stirred as we read the words and contemplate what they mean. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless us as we continue in our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this song, some of you will know it, some of you won't. This is, I suppose over the last few weeks, it's an opportunity for me to play some songs that I enjoy and uh, that may, you may not know. But because we're not singing them, we're able to sort of listen on to them and maybe learn them as we uh, listen to them. And so this is a song called For the Cause, um, so you may know it as it is played, 
But I hope you enjoy this. And please read the words as well this morning.
Okay, well, at this point in the service, we're going to welcome uh, two new members into the body of the church, into the fellowship of our church this morning. So, uh, Andrew and Ruth, Andrew, maybe take your, your place up here first, and then Ruth to follow, uh, socially distanced, of course. Um, and so, it's great to have you guys uh, at the front here with me today, and we want to uh, welcome you this morning. We can't shake your hands, uh, so we can't give you the right hand of fellowship, but I think the Lord understands that. Uh, um, but yeah, we want to this morning publicly welcome you in to fellowship. We've met with these guys and talked with them over the last number of weeks, and uh, we've listened to their testimonies. Our members have uh, voted them in, and we look forward to having you as part of this fellowship. Uh, and we realize that, Andrew, you will be a long way from our fellowship, but not in our hearts and in spirit. You will be very close to us as we continue to pray for you and look after you at distance. Um, and Ruth, we look forward to you continuing to serve with us and serve us as you play the music and as you serve in Catalyst when that returns to uh, being able to take place. And we look forward to serving with you and uh, to having you in the body of the church. Can we pray for these two as we do this? And then we'll let them uh, sit down. Father, we thank you this morning for membership. We thank you that your word is clear, that we should and desire to belong to a local expression of the global church. And we, this morning, are thankful for Ruth and for Andrew. Thank you for what you have done in their lives and how you've brought them to yourself Thank you for their story. Thank you for their testimony. Thank you for all that they have to be thankful for, all that you have done in and through them and continue to do in and through them. Lord, we pray that as we welcome them this morning into the body of this church, that we as a membership would encourage them and that we would see them as absolutely necessary for our own body to function. Lord, we would pray that they would see that their walk of faith is absolutely uh, crucial that they would be part of a local body and the local church. Lord, we pray that together that we would flourish, that we would be able to work with one another, with our gifts to glorify Christ in this place and in this community. We thank you for this perfect structure that you have given to us uh, in the church, that we are part of each other and we cannot do without each other. And so this morning we are thankful for Andrew and Ruth. We pray that you would bless them they would feel part of our family from today. We pray that they would continue to serve you in the way that you have gifted them. And we pray this morning that we as a church would encourage that you are building your church. You are adding to its number. And we thank you for that. So bless us as we continue in worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ruth, you can grab a seat. Andrew, you have to stay there for a few minutes, okay? Because we're going to talk about you uh, at the front here. Andrew, as I've mentioned just briefly this morning, is heading out in a few days to France. Some of you will know that Andrew was in France for uh, just about a month during the summer period this year. Um, I can't share all of Andrew's story. We'd be here a long, long time. Um, but we have joined together and we've been talking together. I mean, we've known each other for a long time, um, not just in the Connie days, but before that. And uh, Andrew, your story of how God is leading you and uh, is just wonderful. Um, doors are opening and this door is open for you to go into France and to spend a year there now, not just one month but 12 months and uh, they will be sending Andrew out uh, under the banner of Baptist Missions and as elders we have affirmed sending him uh, under the banner of Baptist Missions and Andrew is going to go out and he's going to do lots of work out there, he's going to live in Ucel, I'm going to say all these names wrong so you can just uh, please be graceful to me. Uh, 
And uh, he's going to be also then working from there into La Rode, uh, which is where the camp center is, and uh, places like Eglinton and other places in, in and around that area. Andrew's going to be looking for ministry opportunities. He's going to be working, as I say, in the camps there in the summer times. There's going to be practical work and outreach work and, some, as I say, summer camps and preaching and visitation and lots of stuff that you're going to be doing and lots that you're going to be learning as you're out there as well. And we want to say, Andrew, um, as strange as it is bringing you as a member and then literally sending you <laughs> all the way to France, um, we love you and we want you to go with our blessing and we will be praying for you. And we will be thinking much for, about you and, and what you're doing out there. And we will be keeping in touch regularly. And we look forward to hearing updates about what is going on out there and what the Lord is doing in and through you and the work out in France. Can I just encourage you, members in our church and others maybe, to pray for Andrew? But not only that, can I encourage you to support Andrew financially if that is something you're able to do? Going out for 12 months is a little bit different than going out for one month. And uh, 12 months, it takes a certain amount of finance in order to keep Andrew out there and to look after him and look after his expenses. Now, Baptist missions are helping in some way, but what we want to do is encourage you to give through this church and then we will give that to Baptist missions and they will assign that then to Andrew's finances so that he can continue to do his work for 12 months. So if you feel challenged about that and you want to give, please come and speak to Philip or myself and we will happily do that. There is a Target 1000 initiative in Baptist Missions you would have heard of, and that's giving £10 a month. And you can use that initiative if you want to say, okay, I'm going to give £10 a month, and you want to sign that to Andrew's uh, finances, then Baptist Missions will sort all the rest out. And so you can even do that for 12 months, £120. That would be something that you could do for Andrew and using that initiative, or however else you feel led to give. But Andrew, we're excited for you, brother. I'm really excited about what, what, what the Lord's doing in your life and where he's leading you. And we're praying for you much. We're going to pray for you now as we send you out. Okay, let's pray together. Father, it's a joy that we can stand and we can uh, be in this position where we see a young man like Andrew being led by you and doors being opened to ministry in France. Lord, we are excited for all that you are doing there in France, for those workers on the ground already, for those who you are sending out. And we pray for Andrew today. We thank you for him. Thank you for his passion and desire for France. Thank you that you laid that on his heart many, many years ago. And Lord, now as he puts those things into practice, we pray that you would prepare him in his uh, spiritual uh, life. We pray that you would prepare him practically in all the things that need to be done in the next few days to go. And all that needs to be done when he goes out there to continue the work that you are doing in and around uh, that area that he will be heading. Lord, we pray that he would know a special sense of your presence in these days and peace as he leaves his home place and goes to a land that is maybe uh, not so familiar to him at the moment. Pray that he would settle well, that he would get on well with the language as he learns French even further than he has. Lord, that he would feel very much at peace when he's there and that he would have great passion for the ministry out there as he goes. We do pray for Mervyn and the European Committee as they continue to support Andrew as he goes. We thank you for them and all that they do to put men and women on the ground uh, as they go out to do mission. We pray you'll bless Mervyn and Karen in these days as they look after our mission arm of our association. We thank you for them. But Lord, we do pray this morning that you would just take and use all that has been set in place for Andrew to go out. 
that all would go smoothly, that you would keep him safe as numbers even rise of the virus in France. We pray that you would surround him and keep him safe in these days as well. Give him wisdom as he travels and as he goes and looks after himself as well. So Lord, we pray that he would know your help today, that we would be encouraged as we see this young man sent out to the work on the mission field in France. Bless us and take Andrew now and use him for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless Andrew. And we'll see you Thursday. We'll be praying for you for Thursday. Okay, let's read together Ephesians 6. Let's go back to this uh, series that we have been looking at over the last 27 weeks or so. And uh, let's go back to Ephesians 6. We're going to read from verse 10 to verse 13. I know it says 12 on the screen, but we're going to go for another verse this morning and go to verse 13. So that's Ephesians 6, verse 10. Okay, let's read together. This is God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand to, to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Would you stand with me please as we pray? Just at this point, if that's possible, please just stand up where, you're, where you are and we'll pray together as we look at God's word. Father, as we turn to your word now, we once again want to continue to be molded by you and shaped by your word. Thank you that, you all, that you've taught us so much over this last uh, number of months through this book. And as we come to its conclusion, Lord, we pray that we would put into action these very things. Lord, that we would realize that what we have just read and all that we will look at in the number of weeks going ahead is vital in our Christian lives as we face a war with the devil. And so this morning, may our eyes be opened, may we be challenged about our position in Christ, but most of all, maybe we be prepared for this war that we face. So speak into our lives now, by your spirit we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Take a seat. Well, Sermon 27, and uh, some of you have been here all the way through this series, and that has been great. But in this book, we have seen many, many things. We've seen the mystery of election, the wonder of salvation, the wonder of spiritual resurrection. If you remember talking about the death valley and raising us up to those spiritual heights. We talked about the celebration of the divine power in our lives. We talked about peace and unity and our gifts. We talked about our citizenship, our call to live spirit-filled lives, to walk in love, to love our wives, to submit to our husbands, to obey our parents, to love our kids and to honor Christ and to do work. In the workplace, with honorable relationships. And then, verse 10 of chapter 6. It's like a slap. We're faced with the ugly blood and grime of a war with the devil. Why? 
Why, after such positive, dreamy, exalted thoughts of the past six and a half chapters, are we now faced with a battle with the devil? Why couldn't Paul just finish with the encouragements of the past chapters? It would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be a lovely book to read and to be very encouraged about a Christian walk. Why? Why didn't he do that? Well, the answer is simple. Because it would not be real. It just wouldn't be real. You see, the fact that, that we see this part of Scripture and this war with the devil is because if a genuine Christian life is lived out, it is then lived out in enemy, enemy territory. Our Christian walk if it is strong and it is in Christ and it is genuine, it is lived out in enemy territory. I don't know if you realize, but the ruler of this earth is currently not Christ. It's Satan. That's what the Bible says. He rules with his angels and he has dominion over the earth. So if we're committed to the instruction of this letter, if we take everything we've seen in the last six and a half chapters to heart and we put it into play in our lives, we play that out, we practically live that out in our life, then we are at war. No questions. No one escapes that. No one is good enough or strong enough to escape this inevitable war that a Christian faces. You see, a faithful servant should expect Satan's attack. Whether you believe it or not, there are hidden spiritual realms. Oh, we know much about the, the spiritual realm in the sense of God's spiritual realm, the Holy Spirit spiritual realm. But we often like to think, or not think maybe, about the evil spiritual realm that is also very real. Well, right now we experience a battle in some form. It may be in your heart, it may be in your head, it may be in your mind. But you experience it, and we all experience it in, in different ways, this battle. And I want you to think of this this morning's service is not me being able to answer all of your questions because we're going to take another four weeks to answer and to put in play what we are seeing in this section between verse 10 and verse 20. And so you need to be here and journey with us. Really, you need to be here the next four weeks, five weeks as we work this out because I can't give you all the answers this morning. There's so much to cover. But what we do experience is a spiritual battle. Well, I would guess many of us, if we try to articulate what that spiritual battle, battle looks like in our lives, we may struggle. We might have to take some time to think about it. We know it's there, but we can't sometimes put our finger on just how Satan attacks us. Some of you will be very, very clear about how that happens in your life. Some temptation in your life that you comes, up, comes up regularly. Sometimes you fall in the same areas of your life time and time again. There are areas in your life that I don't know about, but you fall and Satan uses to get at you. It's a foothold for him in your life. It, sometimes it's hard to articulate that. Well, in this case, if that is the case for you, you probably don't know Satan's strategies. And that's a really important thing that we need to know as Christians. How does Satan work? 
Well, this evening's message, and this is what I'm going to be preaching tonight, is called The Devil's Designs. And we're going to think through some of the ways in which Satan can attack us. It's not an exhaustive list by any means, but I'm going to give you five things tonight that will help you raise your view of how he can attack in your spiritual life. Why would we do this? Why would we look at this? Well, it's to fulfill 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, which says that we are not to be outwitted by Satan. That's what the Bible says. We as Christians are not to be outwitted by Satan. So we need to know not only who our enemy is, but how he works. Surely that's crucial, right? And some of you may be shocked that we should experience such attacks in our spiritual life. But we shouldn't be. Jesus experienced satanic attacks in his life. At the beginning and at the end of his ministry. At the beginning, 40 days in the wilderness, Satan attacked Christ. At the end, in the garden, when he literally sweat drops of blood. On the screen above me, and for those who are watching online, you'll be able to read this with us. This is an excerpt from a sermon that Charles read in 1863 says, but in our judgment, the fiercest heat of the Savior's suffering in the garden, garden lay in the temptations of Satan. That hour above any time in his life, even beyond the 40 days conflict in the wilderness, was the time of his temptation. This is your hour and the power of darkness. Now could he emphatically say, the prince of this world cometh. This was his last hand-to-hand fight with all the hosts of hell. And here must he sweat drops of blood before the victory can be achieved. Jesus understood the battle. He endured them personally and fully. So today we must certainly realize that when a son and daughter of God is living out the life that God has called them to, then a spiritual battle is inevitable. And if you're not living out your spiritual Christian walk as you ought, then you can expect peace. And that is not a good peace. Peace we often think is a good thing. But in this context, if you are not walking out your life as Christ has called you to, then you will experience peace. You will not experience any satanic attacks because Satan has you where he wants you. It means that you have retreated from the front lines. Because where God is working, Satan is scheming. So over the next four weeks together, we're going to look at uh, how to arm ourselves for battle. If Paul were to, think about this for a moment, if Paul were to only let the Ephesian church know the wonders and mysteries and positions of that found in the first five chapters or five and a half chapters or six chapters maybe, it would have been a waste of time. See, alongside these truths, Paul needed to arm the church for the inevitable satanic attacks that they will face as they live out who they are in Christ. These two cannot be separated. They are inseparable things. And so the first thing that any army will do before entering battleground is to gain as much information about the enemy as possible. No army goes into enemy territory unless they know what they are about to face. So that's what we're going to do now. Firstly, first point this morning, understand the enemy from verse 12 backwards to verse 10. Okay, that's how we're going to work today. Verse 12 says this. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of, the, of, of evil in the heavenly places. You see that word, heaven, those words, heavenly places? This indicates that the spiritual forces of evil, Satan and his evil servants, are running free in the celestial places. Now this is not the highest heaven. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's not where Christ sits and his, sits with his Father, and that's not where uh, the Christians sit with Christ. No, that's not where the evil servants reign. They reign in the celestial fear. What that means is the rest of creation. Satan's evil servants are to be thought of as angels, evil angels, and here, don't we see some of their, des- their designations? Just look at the verse again. We see that they are rulers and they are authorities. They are cosmic powers and they are spiritual forces of evil. We must understand these designations, I think, this morning and realize that they point towards something that is vast. It is so big it's hard to comprehend. Something that is cosmic in size. It is, if you like, a worldwide network of Satan's angels who form a vast, organized And let me tell you, it is organized. Hierarchy. It's not just some ethereal thing out there that we don't need to worry about. This is real and serious. We have to think of Satan, who is someone who is terribly powerful. He is mighty, he is cunning, he is organized. But at the same time of knowing all those things about Satan and giving him some of the glory, which we don't want to do this morning... We also have to think of Satan as someone who is not almighty. He is not someone who is all-knowing. And he is not someone who is all-wise. Oh, don't get me wrong. Satan wants to be like God more than anything. And yes, right now he dominates and drives this world that we live in. However, unlike God, the devil cannot be in more than one place at one time. God, however, well, he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere, all the time. And God, he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful, all the time. But, Satan has created this vast, organized hierarchy, this army of evil servants, evil, evil angels, demons, if you like, So that although he will never be present everywhere all the time, his servants can engage enormous parts of this planet to do Satan's work. His strategy, he strategically places and positions those servants of him, those demons, those evil angels. He places them in world cultures both outside and inside the church, to best spread the deadly disease of sin, to trip us up and cunningly tempt us into uh, sin and away from Christ. 1 John 5 and 19 says this, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But only do we need to understand the enemy himself, but we need to know where he fights his battles, don't we? We can know all about him. It's a bit like Christ. We can know all about Christ, but unless we know 
him personally and what he is like and his character, then it's all in vain. And so we need to know Satan and how he fights his battles. And I said I will deal with this a little bit this evening. However, I want my second point this morning to be understand the territory. Territory. Look at the words in verse 12 again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me make three observations from this tiny phrase that Paul gives us. Three observations. The first one is this. The battle we face is supernatural. The battle we face is supernatural. There is no ordinary physical battle here. It cannot be compared to wars or civil unrests or riots or whatever. It cannot compare to that at all. It happens in the unseen realm, the spiritual realm. It happens in our hearts and in our minds. It happens there. It is not flesh and blood. It is spiritual. Second thing I want to point out from this phrase is that the battle, the battle we face is personal, isn't it? It is personal. If we were to translate the word wrestle here, if you look down in your Bible, it says wrestle against flesh and blood. If we were to translate that, we would see that it indicates hand-to-hand fighting. Now Spurgeon, we read that quote, and it was just there, wasn't it? It was right in the text when he, when he said those things. This is Christ's last hand-to-hand battle with Satan. That is what that means. We are in a fight. We are in a battle hand-to-hand. That's how personal it is. And the root idea of this is that we are swaying back and forth. We are locked in mortal battle in our hearts, in our spiritual life with the devil. We don't think of it so much as arrows or artillery flying through the sky. More close quarter, sweat on sweat. Breath on breath. That's how personal it is. We're locked heads, eyes engaged, and we're wrestling in our life. This is how the spiritual battle feels. Thirdly, from, these, from this phrase that Paul gives us, it's a battle that cannot be fought in the flesh. If we fight this battle in the flesh, it is futile. Our spiritual battles cannot be won in a territory of flesh. If we attempt to find something within ourselves to overcome our spiritual battles, we will face a fight that is futile, worthless. How often do we do that in our life? When we feel uh, these attacks in our life, in our spiritual life, we try and do all that we can within ourselves to fight these wars. But it's futile. John Calvin says this, and it's on the screen again. He means are far greater than if we had to fight against men. Where we resist human strength, sword is opposed to sword, man contends with man, force is met by force and skill by skill. But here, the case is very different. For our enemies are such as no human power can withstand. So our usual conventional go-to tactics won't work in this fight. They won't work in this war. Why? Because it's superhuman. It is supernatural. And knowing this, knowing these things that I have just set before you is what I want you to grasp in this sermon. If you know this, it is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of overcoming your spiritual battle whatever and wherever and whenever it may take place. So this morning's sermon is more about knowing that these battles are taking place. 
And we will work this out over the next number of weeks. And this leads me on to my next point, which is this. We must understand the ten. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let me give you the realities this morning. As scary as and as disconcerting maybe this message is about the hidden evil realm, there are some realities we need to know, and here they are. No mortal, what I mean by mortal is you and me, no mortal on earth can match up to Satan. However, when it comes to heaven, when it comes to heaven, Satan is far exceeded by the triune God. In fact, let me read you what it says in Colossians 1 and 16. You'll know this. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. That's what we read this morning in Ephesians. All things were created through him and for him. What is this verse saying? Well, it says that the invisible spiritual realm and the devil himself would not exist if it weren't for Christ's work. Now, that may conjure up lots of questions, and you can ask those questions to me at a different point. But please know that there is, when I'm saying this, there is no dualism here. Satan is not God's counterpart. Satan is finite. He has an expiration date. <laughs> God is infinite. He is eternal. He does not have an expiration date. Here's another reality. God is more powerful than Satan. We see this at the cross when the God-man Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. Not only did he make a way for us to have a relationship with the Father in heaven and take away our sin, but he defeated Satan. A result of the cross was Satan and his minions being set under Christ's feet. And this was prophesied way, way back in Genesis. But back to Colossians for a moment, if you don't mind me going back there for a second. And in chapter 2 and verse 15... We read that he, Christ, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. We're going to look at that a little bit more when we come to communion in a minute. See, Christ has sealed Satan's and his servants' doom. Their future, it's sealed. And it is destruction. Or they may rule now on this world, on this earth, They may be the rulers of this place and they may take many with them to hell. But one day this will cease and Christ will reign and he will rule and he will judge. John Stott, a well-known author and pastor, said the cross and are now under Christ's feet and ours. So the invisible world in which they attack us and we defend ourselves is the very world in which Christ reigns over them and we But we reign with him. He is the victor and we join him because we are in Christ as we have seen in Ephesians. So knowing the realities, let me read verse 10 together again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This literally means be made strong in the Lord. 
Find your strength in Him, not in yourself. We cannot fight this Satan ourselves. If we tried, it would be all in vain. It would end in destruction. But there is something we can do this morning. As we put all of the things that we have seen in Ephesians into practice, we can avail ourselves of the Lord's strength. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If we are willing to say, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot fight my battles in this spiritual realm by myself. Then we will avail of Christ's strength and power. And so the two things for us today are this. Firstly, acknowledge your weakness and secondly, invite his power. Acknowledge your weakness and invite his power. And finally, and very briefly as we finish, we need to understand God's strength. Verse 11 and verse 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. They're just repetition there. There's just two verses that say the same thing. This is God's divine strategy against the schemes of of the devil. This is how we're going to win the spiritual war with the devil. Now over the next few weeks we're going to look at this in much more detail. But look down just for a second. Just glance down the next ten verses. We're going to put on the armor. Okay, Together as a church we're going to put on the armor of God. And it looks like this. Truth. Righteousness. The gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. That's the armor. And we're going to equip ourselves, each and every one of us, as we go through this together. I think we are being called this morning to acknowledge that there is weakness in self-reliance. But there is power in God. I think we need to acknowledge that there is a battle going on in our spiritual lives each day. That honesty with ourselves is a crucial, actually maybe even more than that, it is vital if we want to win the victory over our sin. And knowing these things, and knowing in our own nature we cannot win this war, but we need Christ and the power that he imparts to us. Today, every day, we need God's mighty power to overcome our battles. We need the presence and reality of God the Holy Spirit to help us overcome sin. We need to pray maybe the words that we've read in Ephesians 3 and 19. If, you're open, if your Bible is still open, just look back, Ephesians 3 and 19. And with this, I finish. Okay? Ephesians 3 and 19. Let's be praying this prayer today, from today onwards. Lord, fill us with all the fullness of God. Lord, fill us with all the fullness of God. Let's pray that prayer together now. We echo the words of the Apostle Paul and we pray together now earnestly and humbly 
that to overcome our spiritual battles, we would desire to put on the armor of God. And so teach us over these next number of weeks to do just that. Help us not just to rest in the comfort of knowing all of the wonderful, exalted things that we've learned over the last 27 weeks, but that we are now and have always been and will continue to be as long as we live for Christ and in Christ in a battle. So prepare us. Give us your strength. And we pray this prayer. Lord, fill us with all the fullness of your, your divine power. Help us each day. Let us not give in. Let us not give up. Let us not retreat from the front lines. Let us be prepared. Let us go into battle in your strength in our everyday life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's listen to this song and uh, afterwards I'll share just a very brief few thoughts and then we'll eat and we'll drink together. Let's listen to Lord of Sorrows. Lord, from sorrows deep I call When my hope is shaken Torn and ruined from the fall Hear my desperation For so long I've pled and prayed God, come to my rescue Even so the thorn remains my heart will praise you Storms within my troubled soul Questions without answers On my faith these pillows roll God be now my shelter Why are you cast down my soul? Hope in Him who saves you When the fires have all grown cold Cause this heart to praise you Torn from me Every worldly pleasure When all I possess is grief God be in my treasure Be my vision in the night Be my hope and refuge Till my faith is turned to sight Lord, my heart will praise you. And oh, my soul, put your hope in God. My help, my rock, I will praise Him. Sing, oh, sing through the raging storm. You're still my God. My salvation And oh my soul Put your hope in God My help, my 
my salvation If you have a Bible, just turn there with me for a moment as we come into communion here. Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15. We read one, read verse 15 just a few minutes ago. 